Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us. I'm R.A. McGee, joined this week by Jim Heskett, who's also Hello. known as the the Sultan of Swing, right? Yeah, yeah. Jim okay. Heskett, all right. I've got Pippa Warner, who's also known as uh, the Colossus of Clout, right? True. And I've got Nick Thacker, who's also known as, what's the other name from the Sandlot that they call Babe Ruth? Yes, the Great Bambino, of course. How could I forget that? The Great Bambino, Nick Thacker. I thought we were doing um, D&D names. I yeah, I was going to say, maybe one. Nick um, doesn't my, get one. <laughs> no, my character was Balthazar the Bald. Sure. Okay. Okay. That's from. Said, uh, uh, he had like numbers and shit next to him, but I don't know what any of it means. <laughs> they were well, like, why... "What do you want to do? You've come to a I don't know, dungeon or something. What do you want?" And I was like, "I want to fight everybody and win. Like, what? Okay, how do we do? What do I do next?" And they were like, "No, you have to like tell us like how you want to go in." And I was like, "Just open the door. I don't know. Knock. What do you want from me?" And they were like, "Dude, just chill out, Balthazar. <laughs> like what?" Like, how are you going to, how are you going to sneak in? I'm like, I'm what about Balthazar the bald makes you think I'm going to sneak anywhere. I'm going to go in and I'm going to fight everybody. And they were like, so you're going to roll for strength or whatever. And I was like, there's dice now. I don't even understand what's happening. So dumb. It just doesn't make any sense. And then the night ended and there, nobody was drinking. Cause they were so like focused on the game for some weird reason. And then I was like, so who won? And nobody wins. And I was like, I'm done. This is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. What am I, wow. a child? Fortunately, wow. I'm in the same boat that you are about everything, but I get to ask Jim. I'm like, hey, can I do this? And he's no. And I'm like, okay, scratch that. What can I do right now? And he tells me, all right, Dungeons and Dragons aside, I think we should get into the news. All right. Good time. So our first story is coming to us from essentially everywhere, but I chose the Slate article because I I just had a minor aneurysm when I read it, and I may rant about it, but I'm not sure yet. I'm going to let you guys talk first, okay? Yes. So our story is from Slate. It's called, it's titled, it's by someone named Laura Miller. It's titled, How Angry Should Other Writers Be About Brandon Sanderson's she says 22 million. It's actually, as of today, 26,884,063. Okay, the ticket just went up. Whatever. 26 million. Uh, it literally just went up. It's, it's, it's going to keep going up, by the way. The buddy. real time. It goes up like every five seconds. The real time is brutal. So how angry should other writers be about Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter, multi-million dollar Kickstarter. So for anyone who is not aware, Brandon Sanderson is a superstar uh, fantasy writer. And uh, he's doing something where he wrote four books and no one knows what they're about. And to get the books, you contribute to the Kickstarter and then he'll give them to you. And as of right now, he's had um, he's had 115,000 backers to the tune of almost $27 million. So let's start with uh, let's start with Jim. Jim, what do you think about what Brandon uh, Sanderson is doing here? 
Well, to answer the question from the article, I don't think anybody should be mad at Brandon Sanderson at all. I don't, I don't see that Thank he's done you. anything. Thank I don't see you. That he's... Oh God, I'm glad you didn't say something different. I'm like, this is going to be should a all hate him. Podcast. What a jerk. <laughs> well, you know, it's they give some examples of people who are angry at Brandon Sanderson in the article, and it's pretty clear. It's just jealousy. It's uh, what did it say? You know, today's a good day to support the other authors who haven't made $18 million in the last few mm-hmm. days, like me, which is obviously the unintended, you know, the yeah. hidden part of the end of that sentence. You know, I don't, I don't, this doesn't bother me at all. I like Brandon Sanderson. I've read several of his books. I like his books. He does. He's also an instructor and all of his, his craft lessons are online. There's like a whole semester of a college course that, that he put online for free, which is awesome. And you know, Writing good excuses, for him. No less. Yeah. Writing excuses like a master class himself. Yeah. I used to listen to that one quite a bit. I don't see any reason to be mad at Brandon Sanderson. He's changing things up a little bit, trying something different. Also, I don't know how he could write four extra books in a year. That's just crazy. But you know, good for him. I don't see anything wrong with this. And maybe this will be a lesson to traditional publishing that they are not the only way. Amen. Pippa Werner, what you got? Well, I'm pretty excited, actually, because I ran a Kickstarter in January, which was quite successful. I thought it got funded. But one of the huge problems was how do you get readers to Kickstarter? Because generally readers are not there. And I worked with another company for fulfillment and they straight up told me that they could not help me with advertising because they had never managed to make advertising for books on Kickstarter work. Mm. And all of a sudden we have a huge number of people who have just bought a book on Kickstarter for the first time. So market greatly expanded. It like, I absolutely get the, the point in the article about it turns out like there are very specific groups of people that are way more likely to get the opportunities that then get the clout that then get all those fans but it's not really a kickstarter problem it's not a sanderson problem it's like there are certain groups whose hard work is much more likely to pay off and that's that's kind of how it is we're trying to fix it (laughs) it's taking a while Mr. Nick. So yeah, there's this there's this mentality I really hate that it seems like half the world buys into, which is this zero money is a zero sum game. You know, they're like, well, I'm poor because Bill Gates has all of them, and that's like barely oversimplifying it, but that's how they they feel. And this article just reeks of that. Well, we should all be angry because Brandon Sanderson took my book money, and it's it's just not no, that's just not how it works. These people buying Brandon Sanderson's crap will also buy your crap if your crap is any good and you can get it in front. Yeah, there's a challenge of the latter, but most people, most writers who buy into this myth that they aren't rich as a writer refuse to acknowledge the fact that their marketing is probably fine and they know how to advertise just as well as any of us. Their books just suck. So I always look at, you know, a lot of times one-star reviews on indie books are, are just the failed authors. And I don't know, I don't know if Laura Miller is a writer or not, but I, I'd hazard a guess that she's probably tried before and it didn't work so well. And she thinks it's because she doesn't have the backing of Kickstarter pushing her. I don't even know what she thinks that happened here. He's a well, great writer and he's phenomenal at what he does. And marketing is part of that. And anyone who thinks that, sorry, I, I'm going to slow down because I, I don't want to take RA's rant away. No, you're doing good, sir. No, no, no. no. I want yours. You know what I'm going to say. I see. The problem is that they would be at the top of the bestseller lists if other people didn't keep selling more books than them. Mm. 
So so what though? That nobody goes <laughs> to the bestseller list and goes, "Well, I'm all, I only buy the top book." That's the only one I ever got. Nobody does that. Nobody's like, "Well, I only buy book one. Screw book two and three, even though those are the actual in the genre that I like. I'm only going to buy books." So that's the thing. That's a problem I have with it. It's like I would be on, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to be 250 overall in the Amazon store because the people looking for my stuff will see it then. Yeah. But just because it doesn't matter where it is on there, and it's just it's stupid. I don't know. Amen. I gave the floor to my friend Ra. No, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be good. No, you guys no, are good. no. come on. Okay, what do you think this we all is my show thing. up here for because we like talking about the Listen, news. My, my thing <laughs> is journalism. If, if you are a writer who's mad at, if you're any human being that begrudges other people's success, you're an absolute piece of trash. You're an absolute mm. piece of trash. It mm. doesn't really matter why Brandon Sanderson is successful. If you're not successful, that's a you problem. Let Brandon Sanderson do what Brandon Sanderson does and maybe page from his book and go, maybe I need to figure out a way to get more people interested in my stuff and not just sit in my basement and throw Cheetos at the the computer monitor and be pissed off about it. And the people not, and I don't mean you, Pippa, I don't mean you because you just briefly touched on it. You're not living in the world that some of these people are who want him to fail because he's a white guy and a Mormon and he shouldn't have success. They're the worst kind of people. They're the worst kind of people. Now, if you're going to go after someone for having undeserved success, which first of all, you shouldn't do, you should eat your bag of Cheetos in peace, you wash know, your hands. Yeah, wash and your hands and then wash your hands and then be angry about people who can eat a whole bunch of Cheetos and still say thin, which is, you know, it's on that level of annoyance. Yes. But like of all the people you pick, Brandon Sanderson, who writes right. like a freaking machine and has put right. out books like Clock. It's it's the worst it's the worst it's just the worst kind of people. To Nick's point, the entitlement in the article is astounding. It's astounding. Like you should have any chip to play in Brandon Sanderson's success. Like you can go, I've decided he doesn't deserve this for whatever reason. Step your game up and stop being a piece of garbage, dude. Well, that's the thing. Opinions are like assholes. I don't need to say the rest of the quote, but because we know what it is. But it's okay. So what? You don't think he deserves it? Move on. G -g Great. Yeah. What? So what? Are you gonna? That's. I just hate the whole pitchfork. Let's all grab our pitchforks and burn it to the ground. No, nobody's. Nobody cares. Bro, nobody cares. No, no author that I know is mad at him one bit about. Doing I was us. very confused. Like when I saw you link the article to us, I was right. like, I haven't seen anyone. We're all just like, <laughs> how can I do so, that? Cause that's amazing. There was a moment. There was yeah. a moment. I was talking to my wife about this. Now mm -hmm. I, I, and my wife, she, to her credit, she didn't know anything about this. She doesn't really know who Brandon Sanderson is, um, but she knows the name. Cause he's part of the superstars writing conference here in, in Colorado Springs. So I was like, Hey, when it first, released it was like hey it's up to 14 million dollars and she frowned and she was like why does he need oh it's kickstarter not gofundme like that was there was a brief moment so for that reason i'll allow it if you think this is like a gofundme because he just needs the money well first of all you're wrong but second of all i can understand why you'd be upset about that because that's right. not what this is right, right. i want to write this a is, book yeah, <laughs> yeah this is an exchange of capital for goods or service Literally, this is just a, the the numbers public all we're seeing. That's the only difference. Yeah, we don't know and, how much Brandon Anderson makes on Amazon every month. Anyway, it could be thirty right. million. You know? Yeah, and the thing is, you have to keep in mind, right? Since he's doing the Kickstarter, he's got to produce the books. He's got to fulfill the books. He has to do all this, so he's not going to take home all that money. He's going to no, take home a lot of it. But... Twenty-two point eight million instead, exactly. Which less. also started into a whole bunch of concern trolling from the New York Times. I don't know if 
anyone else read no. Christine Catherine Rush's article. Mm-hmm. But the New York Times was just this whole like, well, I hope he knows what he's doing because he's oh going to have to get printers and he's going to oh have to get editors. <laughs> like, How can he yeah. figure with $27 million, you can figure a lot of shit out. <laughs> so right. his first step is to buy three printing companies. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, cool. Run my books. There are easier ways of doing it, but. All right, so that was just, a, I feel like good. It went, but it came down, and I'm happy about this. I'm happy about the way I feel right now. So, you happy? You feeling good? You look good. I feel, uh, thank you, thank you. I'm well you rested. You look good in soft light, by the way. Thank you. I, you know, I find it makes me more seductive. It makes my voice just That's a little his. better as well, you know? You all listening can't see him, but. Mm. Handsome devil. Story number two. This is one of this is like a some kind of like crazy heist from a tv show or something it's from mlive.com it's portage man 32 fourth suspect to plead guilty in a 1.5 million amazon textbook fraud case and so these guys got convicted of mail fraud right and they bilked Amazon to the tune of $1.5 million. And I guess what would happen is they would create multiple Amazon accounts to rent textbooks. And then they would sell the books for a profit instead of returning them. And uh, they did this for five years, it looks like. Why haven't we come up with this scheme, guys? Because it's a really stupid idea. Well, I thought of it for five (laughs) minutes in college before uh, Chegg, which I think might be owned by Amazon now, but they used to do textbook rental. And before all this was around, I was like, why am I spending $800 a semester on freaking textbooks? And then this whole rental thing came out. And I was like, I could just rent the book and then sell it. And I was like, no, they would surely find out like seven minutes into that, you know, heist. Turns out I was wrong. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> going to take them a little bit longer to find out $1.5 million though, man, that's a, that's a brand yeah, new like, money right there. The amount of time it took is it, for Amazon to figure it out is fine. But like, the whole just basis of okay so we're going to steal a bunch of stuff and no one will ever notice it's just like never like i feel like they will (laughs) yeah yeah see the problem is when you do that kind of stuff through the mail then like the postal inspectors get involved and they literally have nothing else to do nothing else to do i have learned yeah you do not fuck with the the postal service right i'm saying it tongue-in-cheek but like you get a postal inspector, they're more likely to get you than anyone because they have nothing else to do. They will, they, you know, like the Phoebes have stuff to do. DHS has stuff to do. Like they've all got stuff to do. The postal inspectors are like, I lost Nick's package. Jim's package got stolen off his thing. Or I can find these textbook guys. I'm going for the textbook guys. So in any event, I just, I really wanted to, to talk about this because I feel with a vague degree of certainty that Pippa might be the person who put this scheme together because you've been showing an aptitude as a crime boss lately with the Filippo stuff and like the guys in the trench coat. So are you like the lady behind the screen in this scheme? Well, she has been squirming in her chair a lot since we started discussing this topic. She's If it were me, surely I would have come up with a better plan however if it were me and a whole bunch of people had been like could you help us with this and we have this really bad plan we're probably going to get caught at some point be like will i get a whole bunch of money before you get caught and then it won't get traced back to me you know might be open to that 
it's all uh, risk mitigation, you know? This is yeah, like, there's there's a lot of ways to make money. You could run a cult. You could do this, you know. You just got to diversify. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how this works because I'm reading the article and it's, okay, I get it. You rent a textbook and then you sell the textbook, but there's the buyout fee that Amazon's going to charge eventually, like for not, re- it's like the old, you know, Blockbuster, rent, you know, yeah. not returning your video is going to cost more than it cost to buy the video in the first place. All it says though, it says they would get the books at a fraction of their value. That's the rental and then sell them to bookstores and online to make a profit without buying, without paying the buyout price to Amazon. But it doesn't say like, how do they avoid the buyout price? How do Closing they an account they would use probably. A, yeah, like a prepaid card. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Cause he had multiple accounts. So maybe they were just trying to play the shell game, you know? Well, it says that multiple accounts was there to avoid Amazon's limit of 15 textbooks yeah. rental per customer. Yeah, that could also be part of it. I just was curious at how it seems. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe there's like just so many people renting textbooks that Amazon doesn't notice a few. I don't know. Like, it's absolutely possible. And am I going to get upset about someone scamming the textbook companies? I am not. Like, they're terrible. They're <laughs> oh, that's money gr- yeah, Like, it's true. awful. Yeah, but, but this was not actually helping anyone. This was just selling them at high prices for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like fully support textbook piracy. <laughs> I'm asking that's for I do too. You guys get no argument out of me. No argument out of me. Okay. Let's go to the third story, which may or may not take very long to talk about, but I just want I just want to read this quote to you guys because I think it's magnificent. Okay. So <laughs> this uh, comes to us from George R.R. R. Martin in his <laughs> not a blog. Okay. Sure. Uh, he published it today, it looks like, which is crazy. Because I sent it to you guys yesterday, which was not today. Yeah. Ah, I'm very confused, but whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so George R. R. Martin is talking about, he keeps people updated with the things that he's doing, and how's his work going and all that stuff. And he says that he's has an enormous number of projects going on. Okay. And <laughs> the, the quotes I like the best are this, right? Yes, of course, I am still working on the winds of winter. I have stated that a hundred times in a hundred venues, and having to restate it endlessly is just wearisome. I have made a lot of progress on winds in 2020 and less in 2021, but less is not none. Are we ever going to see this book? No. Just... <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see it, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be finished by him. What are the Brandon chances? Anderson. Thank you. What are the chances Brandon Sanderson finishes this thing? (laughs) I think Sanderson has explicitly said he does not want to finish that one. It's he will. I don't blame him. Well, it's really not up his alley. Yeah. Yeah. He's fairly clean fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. I love George R. R. Martin because when you read the books, you would think that the those stories would come from the mind of someone who like lives in a castle in lithuania or something and is into occult stuff but no he's just this chubby guy with his suspenders and his little hat and he's a big football fan and he's always talking about football and he's some like hometown new jersey guy i saw my favorite george r, r. martin piece it's related to this is when he was i saw this on youtube he was interviewing stephen king in front of an audience about something and he oh, asked stephen king that. how do you write so fast and Stephen King's, well, I just sit down at my laptop at nine o'clock in the morning and I keep writing. And then when I look up and it's five, I stop. And then I 
look back and I've written a bunch of words for the day. And then George R. R. Martin said, but what do you do if, if the writing's no good? And Stephen King's like, well, I just keep going and I fix it later. And then you see George go, huh? <laughs> like, like, you know, like it hadn't occurred Never, to him. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> My favorite George R. R. Martin thing is it was on Twitter. He, he tweeted something uh, about going to his New York publisher and walking in the door and nobody recognized him. And then the first comment was like, yeah, it's because they haven't seen you in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty solid turnover in eight years. You know, some of these kids were in high school when he showed up last time. Mm -hmm. So right on. Well, all right, George, listen, I know you're listening to this, George. We're rooting for you, man. I don't have a lot of hope for House <laughs> of the Dragon, but if you can get this book out, you'll be a folk hero to everyone. So it's just an ANW has only one listener, but that listener is George R. R. Martin. <laughs> it's a quality, not quantity. You know what I mean? Right. So, <laughs> okay. So last story that you guys are aware of is this book publishers to avoid. I have something after that uh, because it's always good to spring the word things on you. You should worry about that for the next three minutes. All right. Ooh, so spelling bee again. Yeah. <laughs> So we have something coming to us from uh, blog.readsy.com. Readsy's pretty good. You know, they do cool stuff. And what's homeboy's name with the long? Ricardo. Jesus. Yes, Ricardo's very cool. Every time I ever see the guy, he's very nice. And I like his email. So in any event, given our conversation last week, uh, if you are listening to this in the future, you may want to listen to last week's episode. I found something that is called Book Publishers to Avoid and Other Shady Author Scams. Let's go through these real quick, and because I think maybe they'll help people, you know, if you're just getting into the game, trying to figure out what's good and what's not good. So number one is vanity presses that are pretending to be traditional publishers, mm. right? That's a hard pill to swallow because some people don't know the difference. If What would you guys say is the easiest way to know that it's a vanity press and not an actual traditional publisher? If you have to pay money up front. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think That's we all a, agree with that. Right. Who was that? Was it Chuck Wendig that was doing the whole like money flows to the author? Mm, maybe. Wendigo. Like that's, I don't think, yeah, that's in, in terms of who's paying who, right. it may be oh. at a very low rate, but. Oh. <laughs> right. Uh oh. Who? Whom? What? Hey, I'm going to step <laughs> out of this. I'm going to step out of this. I feel like that office episode where they were trying to figure out whom is never correct. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, well, then it was who. <laughs> because R.A. just explained that whom is not a real word. It's never. That's yes. not real. That's what they said. <laughs> who said that in the office? I don't know. One of them. Let's see. Literary agents promising book deals. Jim, how many times have you been contacted by a literary agent and it be on the... I have certainly received emails from people purporting to be literary agents, but we live in an age where if you have a high internet literacy, it's relatively easy to find out that this stuff is fake. And, you know, I, I've, I'm pretty internet literate, and so I've never been swindled by any of this stuff. People with low internet literacy, that's their bread and butter. I, I hate to see people getting taken advantage of, and I especially hate to see desperate people getting taken advantage of. And I get so many... I get... I mostly get emails asking for people to come on my podcast as a guest. I'm like, I don't have a podcast where I have guests. You should do some research. It's really easy to delete those emails right away. You know, you can tell right at the top, dear sir or madam. Um, but yeah, generally I, all my, I have talked with real literary agents before and never has it been from one of them reaching out to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 
if you're listening to this and you think a literary agent's going to come get you, you kind of have to be like the awesome unicorn for them to really find you. And since none of us are unicorns, don't pay attention to the people that email you. Okay, how about this third one here? Grossly overpriced self-publishing services. Now, that's something that I kind of see a lot of. You know, people say, bring us your book. We'll do it all for you. You keep all the rights and all that stuff, but we're going to charge you five grand, and that's how your book's going to get on Amazon. And that's a that's kind of shysty, right? Yeah, this is the uh, the publishing tool model, right? The you know they're not necessarily. I think they're a vanity. I think both of these are one and the same. The the differentiator is sometimes there is a company out there that is is legitimately just you know doing things for authors that cost money. Yeah, you should pay editors and yeah, you should pay for design and things like that. But th there's a realm of reasonable that it needs to fall into. And it's very difficult to put a number on, you know, what's unreasonable, what's outside that scope. You know, you probably should pay more than $1 for your book cover. But if you pay 10,000, you've probably overpaid. But that's all opinion because it depends on who it is. And if you're having James Artemis Owen sketch a hand-drawn, you know, illustration, well then, okay, maybe that's reasonable. Yeah. I, I don't think paying anything doesn't make it bad, but it goes with kind of a hand in hand with what Jim said about, you know, having some internet savvy. You got to have some savvy for industry stuff. Well, don't just go just business savvy, right? Don't just Pay go money buy to something. people without checking them out. <laughs> Check them out. But even if they're legit and they're just expensive, like you got to know what most authors are paying for this kind of stuff. You know I mean? Right. If, if, the other thing too, is if, if you're just going to write one book and then, you know, that's it. Well, then you can afford a $5,000 book cover and, you know, edits and all that more so than if you're writing a book every three months. So I don't know, there's some scale there, but. There you go, good stuff. We'll skip the last couple uh, of these because uh, they're just kind of self-explanatory. Uh, if you're reading this or you're listening to this and you really like this, find the article, scroll down to the comments. Uh, there's a plethora of people that are asking, what about this place? What about that place? And you can see some crowdsourced reactions to some of the names. And Ricardo gets in there and talks about a few of them as well. Very diplomatically, I'll give him very diplomatically but he gets his point across so it's very good all right guys the comments are currently closed <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's 300 of them though so you got a ways to go if you read them uh and nick's buddy uh gets a couple mentions down there as well okay let's go to this now this is the surprise that i'm springing up on you guys i like to do this once in a while I, it's dumb but i like it so i'm sorry uh this is merriam webster's great big list of beautiful and useless words so I'm going to read you guys a word, and I'm going to go clockwise. I'm going to – well, no, clockwise is this way. All right, so I'm going to start with Nick, and I'm going to go clockwise around the board, and I'll just read you guys one or two, and then we'll get out of here. So, Nick, your word is – I know you're Googling something right now, and I don't like – No, no, no. I was, I was adding it to the notes because you – Once you I see it. your hands, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, handshake. All right, all right, all right. Very good. Okay. Hands up. Uh, the first <laughs> word is – Hey, Siri. Sorry, go ahead. Cacography. Cacography. C-A-C-O – G-R-A-P-H-Y. Okay. Cacography. So graphy is like a suffix that usually refers to like writing or some kind of like cartography is map making. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say drawing waveforms of sound on paper. Dude, you overthought it. You, I thought you were going to hit it on the head. Cacography is bad handwriting. You were right about the writing, though. I was very impressed. I was like, he's getting ready to get there. Well, I was Did thinking cacography. I, well, I was thinking cacophony, like the sound. Like, so I was thinking maybe that caca is like a Latin word for sound. Yeah, it just means poop writing. I figured, like, I figured that was there too. I just didn't know if it was like we're using vernacular or not. But yeah. 
right. All right. Pippa, okay. I'm going to have to say this and then spell it because I don't want to. All right. It's, I think it's Assersacomachy. A. Type that into the chat. I can try. It's A C E R. It sounds Greek. Here. Bang, bang, bang. There we go. I put it in the no, chat. No, that no longer looks Greek. That, 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 that changed drastically when you. <laughs> Acker. It's a very specific subgenus of giraffe. Oh, Ooh. Ooh, the nice. guy kind of looks like a giraffe in the picture. So you're close. <laughs> the definition is one whose hair was never cut. One whose sure. hair was never cut. Okay. All right. You know, I like that. That's a good idea, though. I'll put this in the chat for you guys since my words are not that good. That's yours, Jim. It is uh, solivagant. 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 Okay. I'm taking it from the SOL. It means sun. And vagant is very close to vagrant. So I'm going to guess that a solivagant is someone who is homeless and only sleeps under the stars. The definition is rambling alone, marked by solitary wandering. That's wow. I, I want to give it to Jim. I want to give it to Jim, dude. I want to give it to you, man. I like that. Hey. Good stuff, <laughs> I would give that okay. to him. That's, that was I'd good. I definitely give that to him. All right. <laughs> I am going to give this one. We're going to go like uh, reverse snake order here because I want Pippa to answer this one because I think it has to do with her split personality or her. Uh, alter ego for alter ego <laughs> the, the word is philippendulous philippendulous well somebody who can't decide if they're filipino or or not i think philip generally refers to horse so i'm going to say that this is a horse christmas ornament <laughs> it is the definition is suspended by or strung upon a thread whoa so, like maybe you guys like are fil- smart Filament pendulous. Oh, yeah. filament. Okay, filament pendulous. Uh, actually, Mr. Thacker, you've got flingy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with something that has been flung. Flinger and the flingy. Yes. <laughs> is that it? It's one at whom anything is flung. Oh okay, no! So it's, so it's a, like it's the recipient it's the object of the thing being of the... flung. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jim. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you close this segment out with okay. this bad word that bad boy right there gentacular i actually know this one i was gonna say oh. i feel like i've seen this word before yeah gentacular is pertaining to breakfast activities it, it literally is pertaining to breakfast wow well done <laughs> solid well done. win man you guys are awesome win, mr heskett you guys are awesome all right man i like I like doing that once in a while. That's fun. Okay. So I'm looking at the time. Looks like we're a little over. You guys got anything to add before we bail out of here? Lots. Okay. Well, save them for next time, sir. And we'll give you the floor. Okay. For all of us at Author News Weekly, I'm Ari McGee saying this meeting is over. Goodbye, everyone.